0: Yep, come on, yep! Yeah! Welcome to the Everyman Upland Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Baker, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Caleb Norman. What's going on? Hey, how are you? Good, man. Uh, Everyman Upland team going strong this season. Um... What, what have you been up to just more yard work since we haven't yeah. gotten any birds so. yeah so we're we should be fixing that yeah. soon um i was going to pick up birds this week so um i just need to that's definitely the next step for oh At- yeah atlas atlas needs birds lumi needs birds jess needs birds so there's gonna be a lot of birds between here and middle of november yeah um So, uh, how's your, besides dogs, what's, what's your hunting season like?
1: Um, done a couple of dove shoots. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it so far, which that's all that's in season. Yeah. Pretty much. Well, I have deer hunted a couple of times. Yeah.
0: Any luck there? No. Yeah. Are you more like trying to fill the freezer early or are you just like, "Eh, if the right one comes out, take a stab at it? I'm going to
1: fill the freezer early because we ran out of deer this year. And yeah. I killed three last year, so Yeah. I'm gonna I, try to up the ante this year.
0: Yeah, when we were eating a lot of deer meat, uh, I think it took us at least two mm-hmm. and you know, we could have eaten more than that. Yeah. Um but yeah, bird season's been kind of uh, this long dove season. I know we've mentioned it before on the show, but it's really throwing me off. Yeah, I that, keep forgetting it's still season. Yeah, like I could go shoot mm-hmm. doves this, this weekend, but I have no plans yeah. to cuz it's usually not a thing. Um, you sat last weekend was how was it? Um, weather was uh, perfect, it was beautiful. <laughs> yeah.
1: <clears throat> Which was I mean it was just enjoyable just to sit out there, but we definitely needed more people. I mean, oh, there were yeah. birds there, but it was just me and a buddy that went. So uh, I feel bad. No, I mean, I don't <laughs> think one more person would have really. Oh yeah, you made need like twenty different. more yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, just to keep them flying.
0: Yeah, we've kind of talked about that on the show. If you're gonna hunt dove, you kind of need enough people to cover a field because you guys. Keep we, them I mean, we up. saw plenty of birds, yeah. but if they light fifteen yards out of range or fifteen yeah. yards exactly. out of range, you know um they don't always come to one spot um same hunting over watermelons mm-hmm. yeah that's so productive
1: that was a shoot down the road i don't know what kind of field it was but they were it sounded like world war three down there so. oh yeah so I'm, i mean i
0: think they pulled some of the birds so i had a great shoot yeah yeah uh, uh, speaking of weather Man it has been so nice. But the, now it's going to warm back up this yeah, week. Yeah it is. It's going to be like <laughs> 90 degrees next week. But uh the dogs enjoyed it oh, yeah. while we had time. We went for extended runs, kind of mm-hmm. kind of working out. And I can tell even Lumi is uh he's my youngest pup if you're new to the show. Uh Lumi is my youngest French Brittany. He's about 9 months old and yeah, he he needs exercise. I mean, he, he gets exercising in the dog run, but he, he needs a warm-up for the season. Yeah. Uh, Jess, she's pretty good. You know, all the rest of them are pretty good. But uh, Lumi's he's never had to go through a, a long-running yeah. season. So, uh, to be expected. Can't expect too much out of the little I guys. definitely need to do some more of that with Atlas as well. Well, you would think, you know, like –
1: him He's had some other dog. We had some some friends come down, and he brought his actually Texas puppy yeah. that he got from Texas him. Caleb's yeah. English Cocker. So he brought his down, and they were running nonstop.
0: Oh yeah, man, so, that's fun to watch. Yeah. <laughs> and you think like if you've ever lived with a puppy, you're like, man, this thing has endless energy until you put him on a long run. Mm-hmm and they really have about 15 minutes yeah. and their day. oh yeah yeah
1: as soon as he you know 15 20 minutes of running around chasing each other in the yard he
0: was he found some shade to lay in oh yeah um and and I'm not a fan of pushing my puppies too hard because just just like humans you know they're not physically fully developed right. yet and yeah. you can really do joint damage and Uh, You don't want to do that. So let them tell you when they're done. Just let them be done. All right. So we have been getting a lot of questions about scouting. It's scouting time. We've mentioned scouting trips on previous episodes. And so we're getting questions about the nuts and bolts of scouting, which is something we were just talking about before we hit record that scouting is something I think we take for granted because we kind of grew up playing in the woods right right yeah Caleb both of us as well as Henry grew up on farms where I mean you go out the back door and walk you know a few hundred yards and you're in the woods and and so we kind of just grew up with that and not everybody did yeah
1: yeah I mean that's definitely the first step get out there and put boots on the ground. Yeah, there's
0: there's no substitute for that. So we're gonna talk about why we scout, how we scout, and you know, making notes for the show it's gonna sound like we have a scouting system. I don't really have a system. No, we never meet beforehand and sit down and say, This is what we want to Right, right. And so um but if you're like a new hunter, if you're one of those adult onset hunters maybe you're a young person and you're listening to the show and it's something you want to do um we will kind of lay out an order to how we do things um although in real life it doesn't it doesn't work out this neat all the time by any means um so let's start with why why do we scout okay why do you scout
1: like like we were saying earlier you know um so when it is time to go hunting you know exactly where to start for for one yeah you're trying to be more efficient on the
0: days that you have to go hunting absolutely you're you're on a timer as far as daylight right you're on a timer as far as your dogs yeah uh and yeah you don't want to waste their time yeah you're going to waste your dog's time you're going to waste your time um and especially if you're like me even though I live pretty close to the properties I hunt. I still don't get every day. You know, I've got to make the best of the days that I do. And if you're living in a bigger city or you're traveling to hunt, oh yeah, you really need to be efficient on the days that you can go. So that's pretty much why we scout is efficiency and to me stress. When you arrive at a 4,000-acre, 7,000-acre piece of property, you got dogs, maybe you brought a buddy with you or whatever, there's a lot going on. Yeah. And driving around the morning of trying to figure out where you're going to start just adds something that you don't want to be there, you know? Well,
1: another another reason to scout, um, especially since, you know, we're – focusing a lot on public land
0: mm-hmm.
1: i mean we're we're surrounded by i don't know how many wmas in a one to two hour you know radius i mean we and some of them we've never set foot on so we want to go scout those places to see if it's even worth
0: yeah taking one of those hunting days right um another good reason to scout uh is uh to determine whether or not you want to put in for a quota. Exactly, yeah, I that's mean, true. the quota hunts, you know, you're just looking at a list of hunts, and, you know, you want to know kind of what you're getting into. Uh, the quota hunt we drew last year at Lanahassee, it was good that we got it, but we had no idea right. uh, what we were getting into, and so we were – only two people got that hunt. Two parties got that hunt on four thousand acres, and so you really had the run. Now of was the that
1: place. a that Hasse hunt? Is it more than one quota day, or how does that work? It's just one day. Okay,
0: so you go on the day you win, uh If you win the hunt, you can invite two other people, right? And another. I drew it, and then another guy drew it. And he brought two people, and I brought two people. And then we essentially had 4,000 acres to our sales. And it's one day for the yeah, season. Yeah, one, one day. There's no deer hunters. You can't go back. Right. You know, because it would be different if Lanahansi had, like, this year, it has some quota days and then some general days. So, you know, you could work that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so it
1: just depends on the WMA and, yeah. and the regulations. but we
0: could have went up there and scouted at least applied for it and then went up there and scouted right. so that we know if we win, we know what we want to do. Right? Um, Cause I, I tell you, I know if you're from the West, maybe 7,000 acres isn't big to you, but in Georgia with the amount of forest we have and it, 7,000 acres is huge. And that's huge. To yeah. me. I mean, I, um, it just is, it can be overwhelming. So, scouting is real important it also um just kind of scratches the itch in oh, the early season man when this time of year rolls around we're pre-season for the most part and uh i just want to get out there, there and you know especially you know we
1: just talked about it the the cool weather we've had
0: Man, oh. i just wanted to get yeah. outside and do something there's something in my brain or <laughs> spirit or whatever that when the days start getting shorter mm-hmm. and that first good cold front rolls mm-hmm. in it's everything gets put on hold yeah. and that's it's kind of all i want to be doing so um so let's get in the now you know why it is it is very important i think for you to scout these places yeah um there's no, like Caleb said, there's no substitute for going through this process. And I think you're just asking for stress and wasted time if yeah. you don't. Um, okay. So, how do we do it? What's our process? First, I think it starts, we wrote a couple of things down. I might have been backwards or I start with the guidebook. Or the online version of the guidebook.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I was sitting at work the other day after we discussed trying to figure out what quota hunts we were going to put in for. Just going down the list of WMAs in Georgia and yeah. pulling maps and just yeah, looking them up, Google Maps the or um, of the land and
0: yeah, uh, how big they are. Right. You know, um, there's a whole big list of them. There's more than you think. There's also in addition to uh WMAs there's also national forest land uh there's uh one that I know of in Georgia there's a national wildlife refuge which mm-hmm. has its own set of rules yeah. aside from uh national forest land then there's in there's this new thing relatively new called VPN VPA
1: is that, I that thing a- it's
0: volunteer where it's privately owned, and, yeah, and it's leased. I mean, if you're in the Midwest, you're probably really used to that concept. I yeah. think they're called walk-in areas, mm-hmm. but uh, these are public or privately owned pieces of land that are leased to the state government for hunting purposes. And you know, the but don't.
1: I mean, they have their own regulations as well. Yeah, as far
0: as you gotta look them up in the book. You can you can deer hunt here. You. You can archery only. Right. You can yeah. small game only. Right. You know, uh, some of them are like kids only or women only. Mm-hmm. They can really, the landowner can make the rules yeah. for that, and the state works with them on making those rules. Um, so you really get have to start, I think, with the guidebook, which is available for in print for free at almost any Walmart sporting goods section i need to get one yeah
1: always it's kind of overwhelming on the
0: on the website yeah and the website i don't georgia's got a weird way i think they use like a third the app is okay but then if you try to find a regulation it sends you to this third party yeah e-regulations and e-regulations has tons of pop-ups and weird ads and stuff so i'm not the biggest fan it the easiest way is get a cup of coffee or whatever you prefer to drink and sit in a chair with the book yeah. and go through it. Um now does the book have maps or does it just have a list? Uh it has a general it has a list but it has a ma- like a state map of Georgia and kind of like where they are okay. in the state. So you can figure out generally where they are. This is the group that I want to yeah, look right, at. Right. Yeah. And so um just to see how much traveling you're ha- you'll have to do. Right. Um, then the individual websites, not the, and this is further confusing. The you, if you Google a River WMA, it's going to take you to a Georgia Wildlife dot um, gov site. It will give you, it'll tell you like how big it is, what's offered there, like as far as camping and hiking and hunting or whatever. But it's not, it'll just say hunting. It's not going to tell you what dates, regulations. You'll have to click a button at the bottom of that that's going to send you to e-regulations and it's going to pull, it's like the list of them are split up into three pages alphabetically that you have to scroll yeah yeah you can't jump from letter to letter you know you just figure (laughs) in the age of the internet we could there would be a better way to do this but um that is how but it will have an interactive map option yeah there and you can kind of see where the property boundaries are and it'll give you It'll especially lay out if there are special zones within the WMA, and you kind of need to pay attention to that because that information is almost never available on things like OnX or Hunt Stand mm-hmm. or whatever. They'll tell you where the property boundary is. Are maybe they're updated? <laughs> I know on two of the WMA's that I've scouted this year, OnX did not have the updated property boundaries. And I mean, they are in in on the Georgia version they're bigger. The the properties are bigger
1: than on than X. what
0: Onex had. So I guess Onex would, would have you within legal bounds, but there's also Maybe. Yeah. I mean Yeah. I, I mean, guess it depends
1: on which WMA and
0: You really need to yeah. I would cross reference all of these and we'll get to what apps we like and maps and all that but do start with the georgia official georgia maps that's going to keep you the safest if you run into law enforcement out there um which all the law enforcement i've ran on ran into on public land they're super cool yeah like i'm you know they want people to come out and enjoy the resource that we have all right so let's get to apps um, I think by this time, if you're listening to hunting podcasts and you're on Instagram and everything, you've heard of Onyx yeah. Hunt. Um, I definitely think it's better out West than it is out
1: here, but I mean, I still use it out. Oh here yeah. So. Yeah.
0: They, they clear the My, my quibble with Onyx Hunt is they favor the Western States. Yeah. Uh, the maps for the East are pretty to me painfully outdated some people they don't mind as much the one of the most useful things that shows property boundaries how updated those property boundaries are i don't know you you really have to look at the signs on the properties will tell you if you're near a boundary or whatever but um they're good enough they've served me well yeah they serve me really well um onyx the strengths i think that it um it really is easy to share like if i wanted to drop a couple of pins let's say i scouted this weekend i dropped some pins but caleb's going up there next weekend i can send him all my pins my tracks everything and then he can kind of pick up where i left off or vice versa Um, we've got a pretty good group of guys that share pins. So, um, even during the season, we find cubbies. Um, so that's a good way to develop a network of people. Um, I really like that aspect and it is kind of one just easy packet. It is very easy to use. Yeah. We'll say, um, other apps. I use Gaia GPS a little bit for the roads mainly Guy GPS is mainly associated with like off roading, but they do a good job of like keeping the roads up to date. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never,
1: I've never used it, so I'm not familiar. Yeah,
0: I, I don't. Um, you can add different layers; it's an option. I use a lot of Google Maps and yeah. Google Earth. Google Earth. Yeah, if I'm at the computer, that's what I'm using. Yeah, Google Earth's imaging is just way better. Yeah. And the fact that you can use an app like um Onyx to find a GPS point and then type that into Google Earth and get a more up to date high res right. uh,
1: You can almost see what kind of vegetation.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. You can see like tree density. Yeah. <laughs> you um I was looking at Google Maps the other day and comparing like the where I guide mm-hmm. at looking at the canopy density. And then trying to compare it (laughs) to where I want to hunt wild birds at and look for similar canopy densities uh, or what it looks like from the the sky. You can also see uh, Google Earth also has this feature where you can rewind um, the maps. And so you can see kind of the logging patterns Mm -hmm. because, and we're going to get into that in just a little bit, but... Georgia leases a lot of the public land, the timber rights mm-hmm. on the public land, um, to kind of help fund these things. And right. so you can kind of rewind and see, like, what has been cut, what was cut three years ago, mm-hmm. what was cut two years ago, and, and stuff like that. So that's pretty helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, sometimes you can see, what might currently look like a pond might be dry for the past three years, right. which will tell you like, okay, if it, it's just a wet spot, because this was a wet year, it right. might not be water there when I get there. So man, Google, Google earth might still be the king for oh, yeah. me. It's just not convenient to carry in your pocket. That's definitely the first place I look. And it's free. Yeah. It's free. Yeah, exactly. Um, Google Maps is pretty good. They're starting to add public land stuff to the the I didn't phone that. version. So especially if you look at it in the topo view, mm-hmm. not the satellite view, they'll yeah. usually have it blocked off a little bit. Um, Yeah, but once you get on the public land, I think Onyx and uh, some of the others are – on X might be the best. Yeah, for once sure. once your boots on the ground. I know Henry uses Hunt Stand and really likes it a lot too. So, I think they. I mean, we're not sponsored by anybody. They probably all have strengths and weaknesses, but yeah. just pick one, familiarize yourself with it, right, and go with it. Um, the guidebook is also going to tell you if a place has camping or not. Where um, that is
1: located on the property and all.
0: Yeah, and that could be important. Yeah. You know, if you're traveling a long way, um, you may want to stay overnight. Mm-hmm. You may just want to go camp and as a part of your scouting thing. And that's another thing I want to bring up in our scouting mindset is if you just kind of make being on public land a part of your outdoor recreation. Yeah then you're kind of picking up scouting here and there. Right. Like we like to take our uh, trucks and our land cruisers and our Jeeps and stuff out on WMAs from time to time just to ride around. Yeah. And as it, it becomes a part, so make it a part of your summer camp. Just get trip. familiar with the, yeah. with the property. Yeah. And uh, it's there for you to do that. Um, all right. So we've done our – Anything else on electronic scouting? I think that pretty much sums it up. Yeah. And that's just really the surface level. Yeah. That's just um, getting started. Just kind yeah. like of the lay of the land. You're thinking about hunting. Yeah. <laughs> that's your due diligence is... Um, figure out where you're going. <laughs> pour over the maps. Figure out where you're going. Um. All right. Next thing that I do is... I typically just start with a ride through. Yeah. Um, Familiarize myself with what roads are open, what roads are closed. Um, This is not always possible. One big example is River Creek. Um, The main gate is shut. I think if it's not hunting season, they shut that gate. You can pull up to the kiosk and you can walk all over the place. But if it's not hunting season... That gate's closed. usually shut. Yeah, so, um, and...
1: But also, we didn't really mention this, but be aware while you're scouting if there is any other kind of hunting going on. Yes. So, I mean, if it's deer season... Yep. ...be mindful of people hunting. So you may want to go, like, in the middle of the day. That's a great point. Where hunting is, yeah. you know... Not only for... Just, don't go at daylight... Yeah. And walk up on somebody in the deer stand.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of, I mean it's kind of a jerk move. Yeah. And it's but, unsafe. But, I mean uh, I You mean, know if
1: people are just getting into hunting, they don't think about
0: stuff like that. Yeah. So that is absolutely true. Uh so maybe scout in the middle of the day. Yeah. If you're gonna do um if you are if you can just say like run out before the kids game or work or or whatever maybe you got to go in the evening right before just stick to the main road yeah don't i mean don't you can do definitely walking.
1: do a, a ride through yeah
0: yeah because they shouldn't be hunting i mean that's another thing if you're deer hunting don't hunt on the road yeah but um because for quail well we'll get into that in a second all right so i just do i usually do a ride through familiarize myself with the roads um some roads are going to be open They're going to look like good roads, but notice those signs. They'll say foot traffic only. And um, you kind of get a feel for like, this may be open now, but I feel like that gate's going to be closed when we come back. Um, Yeah, and I mean, as you're riding through, you're looking at what I'd Start to look for is places where I'm not even going to waste my time. Yeah. Like places where I'm not going to waste my time are places where I can't shoot too
1: thick or, yeah, it might be the overhead.
0: Yeah. It <clears throat> might just be like a great quail looking area. Yeah. But I mean, you got to picture yourself can I make a shot? Will my dog run through right. that? Yeah. You Will know, well, I walk through that? <laughs> Will I walk through that? You know, um, And then you're going to see more like, okay, well, that's all like hardwood. There's nothing. Then you're going to start looking for more environmental things, habitat things. Like this is just a big oak, uh, what we would call oak hammock, where it's nothing but oak leaves on the ground. There's no food growing. There's no cover. It's just all open. And it might look like a good place to shoot, but quail don't live there. Right. Right. And so
1: we're gonna skirt around that. Yeah.
0: You're not even gonna you're not even gonna drop a pin. Then we get to the places like, okay, um, there's there might be a dove field, like a designated dove field. What what's planted there? Did they plant it in anything? Right. Um, have they mowed it down, have they burned it? Uh start making notes like that and just start dropping pins on google maps or on x whatever you got just start dropping some pins and making some notes all right then the next step is walk through yeah you're going to want your you there's a guide. he has since passed away but he guided with my dad for a long time and he's <laughs> he's known for Saying some of the guests have never been off the pavement, <laughs> and uh, you, if you are going to be a hunter, you have to leave the pavement. Yep. right. If you grew up in the city, you got to take the step to get out there. And your first day hunting is not the day. Just like your your dog's first day to see birds should not be your first day hunting. Right. Your first day being in the woods should not be your first day hunting. Go out. The weather's getting good. Um, it is deer season, so be aware of that. Um, but if you can go back in August, um, go for it. Yeah. You know, get out there, start looking, just start walking around. Just uh, public land's big, and you can walk anywhere. Yep. You know, there's usually no rules against walking. I've never seen a just stay yeah. out of here, I period, no. sign. They can't really do that since it's public land. Right, so... um, Just cut through the woods, you know, get off the trail. Uh, if you want to dip your toes, you know, walk down some of the foot traffic only roads. Most of these properties will have, uh, permanent fire breaks, which are harder walking sometimes than just bushwhacking, (laughs) um, softer ground, but yeah, get, put on your boots and, and walk. Now, if you're in good quail habitat, uh, you're going, if it's warmer, maybe invest in some kind of, uh, snake boot or yeah. chap or something. Cause right now snakes are moving. Yep. It's like 65 degrees in the morning, man, that's perfect yeah. for them. And so just be aware that I'm not, if, if you're afraid of snakes, like you never want to be around one. This might not be your sport at all. It, you know, I tell my wife, she asked, "Are there snakes out there? Are you outside?" Well, there's snakes, there's snakes. somewhere,
1: <laughs> but also, don't be.
0: Yeah, I've never seen one, honey.
1: Yeah, I mean, guiding, I have. A, as much as I've been in the woods, I mean, you, I'm always mindful. Yeah, and I've and I've come up on them, but I've never been
0: in a situation where you couldn't just get yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. it's a. Uh, just be mindful. Yeah, and just, you, and I think, and we've said this, I think we've mentioned it several times, if you're going to invest in just one piece of gear that isn't a gun or a dog, it really needs to be chaps. For you're sure. really I game. got my first
1: pair this past season, and it's yeah. a game changer.
0: Game changer. You feel like a bulldozer yeah. once you put chaps on. Yeah. You walk through anything without thinking about it anymore.
1: A good pair of boots and a good pair of chaps. Yeah.
0: For sure. Absolutely. And I, um, this year probably won't be an exception because we've had so much rain. I hunt in rubber boots. Yeah. Um, I have other boots. Um, I walk 10 miles a day in my rubber boots and uh, I haven't had any problems. Yeah. Cause you're, it's not like you're hiking up and okay, in most places in Georgia where we, hunt south georgia south georgia it's not hiking up a mountain now if we if we hit some grouse woods up this year oh yeah yeah probably won't be in the rubber boots probably won't be in chaps either no that's true i don't see when we go to the mountains i don't see a lot of briar patches no not like down here definitely not and if you're in a briar patch you're probably in good quail habitat anyway so um good quail habitat uh is gonna have thorns in it of some kind, Yeah. whether it's what we call bamboo briar, which is kind of a it's a vine with thorns. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's called green briar. Um, then there's just briar, the good, good old briars. Then yeah. <laughs> <And> there's blackberries, <laughs> the yeah, and then there's uh, like dewberry, and you know all that kind of stuff. So there's uh, there's uh, what we call hog hall but it is hawthorn Mm -hmm. uh so there's various hawthorns uh on some of these places it's sandy enough to have cactuses so you know you want chaps yeah and i again not sponsored but i highly recommend dan's that's what i got dan's briar proof yeah uh i think they're so underrated and uh that they don't do a lot of advertising I think they just have a good word-of-mouth reputation. They don't need to. And they're, you know... Water-resistant, at least. Yeah, but but they're
1: generously priced.
0: Oh, yeah. Definitely
1: every man upland Oh, yeah. Bang
0: for buck, (laughs) I don't think there's a better option. Now, Mm -hmm. if I were going to spend anything over Dan's Chaps, and I've never, full disclosure, I've never had to purchase with my own money a pair... (laughs) I wear turtle skins chaps. Okay, they're so light. They're Kevlar, so they're snake proof, um, and they're light and flexible. Yeah, and they look good. They look better. You know, I but the first pair of chaps I wore for work were uh, Rattlers, mm-hmm. which are pretty cheap or inexpensive. Uh, they're Cordura though, and on a cold morning you might as well be wearing PVC pipe around your <laughs> legs. It's like, they're stiff. Yeah, they are very stiff, and they're real big. Yeah. Um, turtle skins are a little smaller, but Dan's are, like, really well-fitted. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which they make the snake-proof
1: ones, too. I I didn't get right. the snake-proof ones. That.
0: Um, And, you know, ch- I say chaps and not briar pants. Some people like briar pants better. I've had some... They don't
1: work as good as chaps, though. No, they don't. I I mean, I've had several different brands
0: and... Yeah, and they typically are only like the front of your leg. And then below the knee and the back. Yeah. And then you back up into some and they... (laughs) They own you. Yeah. There are some chaps I wouldn't waste my... Some more fashion brand chaps I wouldn't waste my money on. Yeah. Uh, From what I can tell, the banded chaps look okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they work, but they somebody yeah I think their briar proofing works pretty good, and they're not they won't break the bank. No. But Dan's, I mean, there's no sense, yeah. and you should just buy a pair and throw them in the truck. I, I, as keep, a my own, pair. I keep my second yeah. pair in the truck as a second pair. Um, and chaps, what they do over what briar pants do is a good pair of chaps will be. Water resistant because mm. on that first morning in November in South Georgia, there's going to be so much dew. Yeah, when you get there, you'll if be. If you're just wearing it. pants, you're going to be knee thigh down. You're going to be soaked. Yeah, and so uh, get some chaps. Just get chaps. Um, all right, where were? We? Oh, getting off the pavement. You gotta walk through the woods, and you need to. Make notes as you walk through the woods. There's some general guidelines to quail habitat. We're about to get into what makes up good quail habitat. But um, you just got to walk. Walk around. And you're not, I'm not, I don't know about you, I'm not always looking for birds. No. Like, I'm not always looking for quail. A, they hear you coming. and Yeah. You know, they'll just walk off from you. Yeah. They're they're pretty crafty. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to that. And so, um, I wouldn't worry too much about you know, I'm not looking for bird droppings or right. feathers right. or any of that kind of stuff. I'm looking for more general like good cover. Yeah, am I gonna spend my time here with my dog? Right. Um Yeah, and I don't take a dog. I don't take a dog.
1: Um, um but when you do get there i mean be mindful of if you hear any
0: yeah so you are listening yeah for sure and that's when you mentioned going in the morning or evening yeah
1: even if you're it, just doing a yeah, ride to yeah. it, roll the windows down
0: i would stop yeah. periodically roll the windows down especially early morning mm-hmm. and just before evening in october in october they're going to start calling out to one another, mm-hmm. to form coveys, and that's when you're going to hear them. Now, just because you heard, heard a bird over here in August or September yeah, or October. May they may not be there. but it's going to give you an idea. Like, there are birds here. So there and, must be some know, habitat here. Yeah, and so use YouTube 2 If you don't know what a quail sounds like, or a bobwhite quail sounds like, or if you're hunting rough, all of this could apply to rough grouse and... Woodcock. If you don't know what those birds sound like, that's part of your e scouting as well. Yeah. Uh, go figure that out. Look at you know YouTube and and listen. Um, but bobwhite are so obvious yeah. when they call, and just but you know don't go try to find that bird. Just listen and right. okay. make there's, make a note. There's yeah. birds here. There's a bird here. Um, all right. So we're walking through the woods. Now let's talk about what we're looking for because I think this is what we get the most questions on. What are we looking for? Um, We're going to divide it into plants we're looking for and animals we're looking for. (laughs) Um, I'm going to point you guys and I. You know I listen to a lot of podcasts and. The host always talks about. We're going to put this in the show notes, and I never look at the show notes. Yeah, what I'm going to put in the show notes for this podcast, I highly, highly recommend you go look at it. It is an article on GeorgiaWildlife.gov. I think it's .gov. I'm, I'm going to look at. It. No, it's GeorgiaWildlife.com. It is the Northern Bobwhite Quail Management in Georgia. This is written by um, Thaxon and Whitney. And the updates are by Dallas Ingram, among others, and Dr. Jess McGuire of Quail Forever. Um, This, I consider, must-do reading if you're going to hunt quail. Deer, like, let's take a deer hunter, Okay. We've all seen a deer probably. You know what a deer looks like. They're huge. They're plentiful. You know, like there are deer on golf courses. There are deer in subdivisions. There are deer in ag fields. There are deer in creek bottoms. There are monster deer. In Atlanta. It really doesn't seem like deer don't need what a species like quail need. Right. Right. And so... You really, this is like due diligence to be, I think, a, a successful hunter is a go, it's a 52-page, I'm going to call it pamphlet, I don't know what they call it, whatever. It's uh, it's a history, biology, and management, and there's some just cool things, and one thing I want to point out is this paragraph here, it's talking about the decline in uh, the reason for the decline of Bob White Quail in Georgia because we used to be considered the Bob White quail capital of the world um in let me see man, this type is very small. I need to take a breath <laughs> <laughs> all right, the decline has led to a reduction in the number of quail hunters and quail harvest in nineteen sixty two an estimated one thousand or 135,000 hunters harvested about 4 million quail in Georgia. Wow. So if you imagine 4 million birds stacked up, that's ridiculous. All right. But by 2019, just a a couple of years ago, the number of hunters had declined to 12,742. So that... Is, that's a
1: drop in like ninety thousand or more than that
0: yeah i mean it's almost ninety percent yeah i would guess and the reported quail harvest to about two hundred and seventy nine thousand two hundred ninety one um with nine out of ten being pin raised birds yeah now that is disheartening however if you do the math it kind of you kind of Realize that about thirty thousand wild birds were harvested last year in Georgia. That's a lot of birds. That is a lot. That's more than I kind of think about. And now, to be sure, you know a good deal of those are on private land. That number of hunters, but what was that? Twelve
1: thousand hunters?
0: Yeah, and if that's also if they're reporting nine out of ten being pen raised birds and if twelve thousand twelve thousand
1: people wasn't hunting wild wild birds.
0: birds, no, 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 they're hunting on preserves, right? Yeah, so, um, and there's some appended. Uh, they've they've got like a report in the appendix you could go look at for that. Um, that I'm sure it breaks out down. that, yeah. but um, the good news is uh, there were like thirty thousand wild birds harvested last year and so they are out there but you know reading through this you know covey formation kind of gives the the seasons of the quail life cycle um and then the habitat requirements i'm gonna and i'm gonna start our discussion of habitat off with this quoted from page 13 of this article bobwhite quail are an early successional habitat specialist. They need an interspersion of cover that is ideally, that's the key word here, ideally, a third annual perennial weeds and legumes, a third clump native warm season grasses, and a third brush cover. That is a mosaic distribution of briar and shrub thickets. Biologists refer to this as the rule of thirds. So, and quail are at their densest where uh, a distribution of suitable habitat, perhaps 2,500 acres or more, um, where there's that much. They said the fragmented landscapes with small isolated blocks of managed land is not as good. So, So you're looking for this successional habitat means that in the past few years the canopy has opened up now that could be storm damage from a hurricane yeah that could be maybe they put in a pipeline they logged an area right they uh just cleared up some land and let it grow back up in shrubs and uh briars and all kind of forbs and we'll talk about what all that those plants are and so you're not looking for hardwood forest typically it can't be all it can't be you know uh just a thousand acres of hardwoods right. it's not going to be good um really i think shorthand is you're looking for sun hitting the ground you're looking if there's a canopy. If there and are
1: fairly new growth, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, within three years. Yeah, you're talking about less than head high.
1: You're not looking for bare ground.
0: No, no, yeah, absolutely. If they just logged last year, right. unless it, it still can be good. Yeah. You know, it depends. If they burned yeah. and it came up in bunch grasses, and uh, I always tell people too, I. You find a lot of birds in edges. So if there's like a creek bottom that's transitioning out to where they just logged three years ago and it's a lot of scrubby Oak or, um, and I'm talking about Oak that would be less than waist high. If there's a bunch of gallberry, um, if there's a bunch of sawtooth palmetto, Yeah. um, that's kind of what I start looking for cuz those are big plant indicators. You can see them from the road. Yeah. Like this is this looks good here. There's sunlight hitting the understory. It's not dark when I look through a forest and it's dark at noon. Hmm. It's like that probably ain't the best. Right. And if it's planted pines with nothing but pine straw on the ground, yeah. <laughs> under, that's no good either. Yeah. Um or I just wouldn't that wouldn't be prime. Okay. I'm not saying that there could never be birds there. Quail are living things and they move around, but um, I, it's not where I would put my dog out. Right. Um, so plants you're looking for are, I would start with looking for cover first. So you're, if you don't know, and this is part of your homework for scouting is if you don't know what gallberry is, you don't know what sawtooth palmetto is, you don't know the difference between hardwoods and uh like pine trees. Yeah. <laughs> you need to look up some Georgia native plant species <laughs> or something, get familiar. And that brings me to a bigger point. A big part of scouting is just building your personal database of what's in the woods, period, right, in Georgia. Are you looking at a native bunch grass or are you looking at imported turf grass mm-hmm. you need to kind of be able to know what you're looking at yeah and so don't even, i've got to
1: get better with that for sure even though i've been i don't know
0: what stuff is called or you know yeah and even though i grew up in it it gets called different things by different people right too so um it can be difficult to as long as you know what it is it don't really matter yeah it doesn't really matter what it's called now it might be helpful if you've got a group and you're trying to talk about it right um but yeah and i think it's just going to make you a better hunter it's going to make you more conservation minded to know what these things are it just adds to the experience but it's building that database so first you're looking for cover um and for cover i look for Uh, when it talks about this interspersed mosaic if i'm looking across a landscape and i see 200 acres of the same thing even if it's like let's say thin planted pine or thin pine thinned pines that's getting good sunlight but i can just see two or three hundred acres of waist high brush it could be good but then you have to ask yourself where's the escape cover Yeah, where's the mosaic you need the distribution you need the varied landscape so what i'm looking for is uh heads of live oaks or privet hedge that didn't burn something thick like an island of just nasty like you're not gonna walk in there that's where birds are gonna escape to right so that's what kind of like the the head of privet Mm -hmm. that privet head that um we started at on our cocker hunt last year perfect Mm. example yeah it's about 200 acres uh, or no maybe 100 acres around it but this big privet hedge is is just thick you couldn't walk through it the cocker's went in there but we would not walk in there right and so um that's why i look for a couple of these islands maybe a hardwood bottom like a little branch or a creek that runs through there mm-hmm. um can provide some of that but it needs to be boogery yeah. okay it needs to be thick um so that's kind of what i'm i get real excited when i start seeing the the gallberry the wiregrass the broom sedge the little scrubby oak but then i see these heads yeah that's when i'm like okay i'm dropping a pen here And I can see that from the road, so I'm dropping a pin there. Um, Then when I do my walkthrough, I'm going to get more specific. What food sources are here? What Mm -hmm. water sources are here? Um, Quail need those things. Although water is not as important as food. Yeah. Yeah, you really got to have food. Uh, And that, you're looking for ragweed, beggar line or beggar weed uh lespede- native lespidizas partridge pea stuff like that seed things that make a seed mm-hmm. like a tiny seed that they can eat right. I think uh according to that uh very well done book by the DNR um they eat about 60 percent Seed mm-hmm. and so look for those food sources. They're also gonna quail don't just eat seed, they eat, uh berries and fruit, and they eat bugs. Yeah. Actually, small quail eat about 90% bugs. Oh, really? Yeah, actually, uh, qu- black cricket density is hmm. one of the biggest indicators of uh brood success. Hmm. Um so if you're noticing in the summertime a lot of little black crickets around that's a good sign. Um but America we talk a lot about American beautyberry yeah. is a good food source. It's the last soft massed crop of the year. So it's the it, that just means that that's the quail's last chance to get some soft fruit before they switch to primarily just seeds. Um so early season Beauty berry is going to be. Now, after a frost hits and there are no more berries, I mean, beauty berry is no longer a yeah. food source, so you got to f- still find those the seeds. the seeds. So pay attention to that. One of the easiest, even if you don't know what beggar lice looks like or beggar weed looks like, you'll know you've been through it yeah. when you walk through it because it's going to stick to your clothes and everything. So um, if something's sticking to your clothes and it's not spiny, uh, it's like little Velcro, yeah. actually. it's uh, That's beggar weed. Again, look this stuff up. There's Georgia. UGA Extension has a massive database of native plants you can look at. Uh, like if you don't know what partridge pea or lespedeza looks like, mm-hmm. I don't see. Now, I've, I've done a woods walk with some quail forever biologists, and they're like, oh, look at all this partridge pea. And I'm like, I've never seen that. I've never and it was on my farm. I'm like I've I've never noticed that plant <laughs> yeah. ever. Yeah, I mean I, I couldn't tell you what it looks like. Well, yeah, like beautyberries, this big bush. Yeah, and then you've got um uh oh um like beggar weeds, like a tall woody stemmed yeah. forb, and then ragweed kind of puts on flowers. Mm-hmm. So. All that stuff, you see it. Partridge pea is like on the ground. Mm -hmm. It's a little plant. So um, that's what you're looking for there. And all right, besides that, uh, different animals can kind of give you a hint too. So what I mean by that is there's several animals that share a common biome with or share a common habitat with quail. Yeah. And uh, a couple of those are going to be gopher tortoise for sure. So gopher tortoise are going to live in sandy, well-drained soils. If you're seeing gopher tortoise burrows, uh, they kind of need the same uh, habitat factors. They need fire. They live in successional habitats. So... You're looking for woods that have been burned and stuff like that. And we did have a guy on Instagram point out that if you see evidence of fire, like there's black around the bottoms right. of the pine trees and stuff, that means they've been burning there, mm-hmm. and that's a great thing. Um what else? Um oh in most quail good quail habitat you see especially around midday fox squirrels not not just gray squirrels right. but fox squirrels they are the bigger white and black squirrels um they always live in i think they eat a lot of pine nuts okay so that's why they live yeah. <laughs> you know
1: around the same well, that place i took you um last year uh-huh. that i had access to yeah um gopher tortoise and more fox squirrels
0: than any other place I yeah. don't hunt. And wild birds. Yep. <laughs> we knew there were birds yeah. there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it makes you, sense. And, you know, knowing these animals, uh, again, that's just data points. If you're seeing a lot of rabbits, rabbits share a lot of cover with mm-hmm. quail. So rabbits are another indicator. Um, hawks, Aren't necessarily an indicator that they're quail there because they're kind of just everywhere. Yeah. But they're awesome birds. You should just know which hawk is which. Okay. <laughs> just make a practice of <laughs> make a spiritual practice of knowing which hawk <laughs> is which. Um because everybody's like, oh, there's a red tail hawk. I'm like, no, that's a red shoulder hawk. That's not a red tail. <laughs> um Yeah, so is it and that brings me to probably what's gonna be our last point. Uh, that scouting and is a part of hunting because it's a part of becoming woodsy. Yeah. You know, if. where
1: well, you're just building that, that database. Yeah. So you understand once you do find birds, you kind of, you know, start putting the puzzle pieces together of why they were
0: there. And yeah. then you can just keep building. Yeah. As, as you hunt. Even good deer hunters don't just, like, throw their stand up just anywhere. No. They're seeing factors in the woods that other people aren't seeing. Yeah. That's why they're successful. Now, you know, they say uh, even a blind squirrel finds an acorn once in a while. But people who are routinely successful killing big deer, uh, they're limiting on ducks every time Mm -hmm. they go. They're seeing things that not everyone else is seeing right. and so the more data points you have the more time you just spend in the woods
1: i mean it doesn't matter yeah. if you know the names of these plants yeah just putting time in the woods yeah and you know i saw a bird here this day i'm gonna yeah go back to that spot and kind of figure out what it looks like and Mm-hmm. kind of start putting pieces together. yeah what
0: was there that contributed to that bird being there right and um and that brings me finally to uh, the last part of my strategy is even after i i scout a place pretty good i make it i keep going back to at least do drive throughs because things do change timber gets cut did they clear cut this part or did they just thin it what's happening did they burn did they burn i just you know it's not my property no. but i treat it like as if like i need to and, know what's and going south on south
1: georgia did a tornado go through the center of it Yeah, because i've went i went with a buddy of mine a few years ago on a turkey hunt and you know this beautiful property on on a river and two years later I think it was after one of those hurricanes that came through and just
0: destroyed the property. Yeah. And it looked totally different. Right. So I mean, And the roads will move, yeah. and uh, culverts will get blown out. Yeah. And there's always things that happen. So the more familiar you are just in general with a property, not just did my favorite little place stay the same, but what what's going on with the whole property – it's going to make your the day when you actually go hunt just so smooth because there's yeah. a plan B. What if you show up and somebody else is at your yeah. spot and they don't want to hunt with you? Yeah, um, You need a plan B and C and D. Yeah. And um, if you're like me, you just get your dates mixed up and you're like, oh, well, this, the one, the WMA <laughs> I plan on hunting at opening day isn't open yeah. opening day. So we've got to go somewhere else last minute. So... Um. Yeah, just put in the work, yep. and it's not really work; it's really enjoyable. I. I. I like scouting.
1: Oh yeah, it's fun.
0: I don't need an excuse. No. If somebody's <laughs> like, "Hey, do you want to scout?" I'm like, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um. So if you guys have uh more suggestions for people in scouting, if you've been hunting for a long time and you're thinking, well, no crap, right? Like, yeah. duh, that's what scouting is. Well, this wasn't necessarily for you. Um, we do have some people who are just trying to get into this yeah. and we're trying to lower that access point and encourage people. Scouting is the first step. Yeah. If you don't have a dog, if you don't have a gun, just get out there, start becoming woodsy. Yeah. And uh, I hope to see you guys out there. And if you have more questions, throw them at us. We'll, we'll keep, uh, uh, keep answering. If you have specific like habitat questions we'll try to get jace back on he'll he'll be answering. technical questions (laughs) can be directed to him um but you can hit us up at everyman upland on instagram and we will get those questions to the people who can answer them um yeah that's all i have so we'll see you guys later